Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Daniel Martinez. Today, we have a special guest hailing from Chicago, Mr. Eugene Marshall. I'm actually originally from Hammond, Indiana. I grew up there for 21 years. I worked in Cicero. I worked in Joliet. My dad worked in construction for like 30 years all over Illinois. I am very familiar with Illinois. It's interesting. I like talking to my Chicago guests. I get them every once in a while. So I always like to talk about Chicago and growing up outside Chicago. And the shenanigans that happens in Chicago that no one really understands unless you're from Chicago. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, a lot of folks say, hey, I'm from Chicago. Oh, where about Schaumburg? <laughs> you know, Schaumburg, northwestern suburbs, so not necessarily Chicago. But, yeah, good deal. Good deal. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate appreciate you for allowing us to be here. Allowing me to be here. Yeah. So I, I say I say I'm from Chicago, even though I'm from Hammond. It's the same thing as like saying Schaumburg, but it's one of those things where like you asked me where I was from. I'm from Southern California. Like where I'm where exactly in Southern California? Like it's it's pretty big because like LA and San Diego almost like touch. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. That's that's how most metropolitan cities are. So like I always like when people ask me, like, oh, I'm from Chicago, because technically I am from Chicago. Chicago just stretches out really far. So I am from Chicago, but I'm from Indiana. I'm from the Indiana side of Chicago. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> how long have you been in yeah. Chicago and how long have you been in real estate? Great question. So I've grown up in Chicago my entire life. I'm born and raised south side of Chicago, grew up on the far south side, a very small community known as Roseland. And then uh, ended up transitioning into Hyde Park, which is also uh, South Side of Chicago, near University of Chicago, where you know President Barack Obama is is, is from, and his house is still there. Um, I've been in the real estate space since 2018, and majority of my rentals are all in are are all on the South Side of Chicago in the Hyde Park Township. Okay, so you 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 invest where you sleep. <laughs> exactly. No, that's, that's cool. exactly that's, that's the best farm area to have. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of people invest out of state, and uh, I think investing in Chicago has its own tendencies. I interviewed, I interviewed a, another rental rental person from Chicago a couple episodes ago, and he was talking about how he takes pride in like revitalizing the neighborhood because you actually re- you have to remodel or fix. And the Chicago is an old city, so there's a lot of older homes, especially on the south side. So it's kind of like revitalizing revitalizing the city one house at a time. Yeah, and Chicago has a ton of historic architect as well so you know being able to play a hand in that revitalization ultimately just it just wakes the city back up in those areas that need it most so yeah kudos to him yeah chicago is definitely a it's it's a market to experience for sure (laughs) how do you feel about like i know illinois is not necessarily landlord friendly but how do you traverse not being in a landlord friendly state maybe you should buy houses in gary yeah, that's, that's a great question. So interesting enough, I know we're probably going to talk about this later, but my I bought my first uh, in 2018, FHA 203K. We rehabbed it, whatever. And when I closed on the loan, there was three tenants in the property. Okay. And at that time, you know, when I first got into the space, you know, I'm listening to other podcasts and reading books, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, Bigger Pockets, whatever. And I hear about this thing, cash for keys. Yep. And so I'm immediately thinking, okay, whatever. I'm going to be able to get these folks out. You know, I'm just going to do cash for keys. Hey, here's a couple grand to move out, pay for your movers. Um, I'll do the clean out for you. You ain't got to worry about anything. I just need you out. <laughs> did not work. So ended up having to, to evict those tenants, unfortunately. And I, and I did not want to, but I had to. 
But to, to answer the question, how, how do I navigate that space? You just got to screen hard. Okay. You really got to screen hard with your tenants. And we have a very thorough uh, screening process. And in fact, I literally just listed a, a unit on Saturday. And I've been getting like 20, 30 hits a day. But of course, before you list that property, you got to have an understanding of who your, who your ideal tenant is. That way you're not wasting time doing showings for everybody because you already know exactly who you're marketing to. And so for me, my ideal tenant is a University of Chicago student. So I like students as tenants. Um, most of my properties are all in Hyde Park. So I get a lot of that University of Chicago traffic. So, so to answer the question, you just got to screen very, very thorough, thoroughly. I, and I, I would 100% agree with that. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a rental landlord person, but I think there's the, there's the, and I don't know if you had them, but there's a professional tenant out there that they've learned and they learned the regulation and they, they play the game and they're trying to, <laughs> they're trying to, they're trying to take as much as they can without paying anything. And it's, it's hard to see, but I think uh, screening and cash for keys does work great when it works, but screening, screening. Yeah. And this is where I think, I think you might have a good location. If you, if you know, you have a lot of pot potential school people, uh, school young men, young men and women passing through. It could be your potential target, and you can target directly to them using different strategies. I had another guy on a podcast, and he targeted storage for schooling, and he would go out and like uh, write on the sidewalks mm. of when he had a, uh, when he had storage availability, and they'd go in and uh, they'd go into like housing, student housing, and pack up all their stuff and put it in storage. So they came back the next year. Oh, very nice. That's creative. Very, very creative. There's a lot of cool things with with with, with schooling and, and a lot of potential opportunity. This show is sponsored by Hive Mind CRM. It is more than just a CRM. It is a real estate and business mastermind that comes with an all-in-one CRM. You can have unlimited websites and users. You can call, text, RVM, and email all-in-one user interface. And you can set up custom automations for any type and multiple businesses. 65% of companies start using a CRM system within the first five years of business. Once implemented, the hive mind will save you on marketing, give you more time, and make more money. One of our users had his first $100,000 month using our system in June. We want to see you automate and accelerate your business. Text us at 210-972-1842 for future meetings. And of course, to get our $1 course on how to make more than six figures on one land deal. You can schedule your free demo today at hivemindcrm.io. Do you do like roommates type thing or multiple rooms and sublet rooms or do you just looking for one one person to handle the, the full rent? Yeah, one person. So we're going after one person. So like the, the couple that just left, they were married. And most, most of University of Chicago students are going for a PhD or something like that. Mm -hmm. So they, they do have one other person accompanying them, a spouse per se. And of course, you do have some, some folks that are just going through you know, the undergraduate program. But nevertheless, we're looking for one person or a couple to occupy the place. We're not doing roommate matching or anything like that. We're just looking for one ideal candidate that can come in, have a place to call home for the next 12 months with the opportunity to ultimately sign another lease if they, if they like, if they like, had a good experience. And this is for, I don't want to take 
spoil spoil your area. But what is yeah. it? Are you getting like good rent rates? One percent, two percent rules. I haven't looked at housing in Chicago ever, so I have no idea what the what the house should go for versus the rent you receive. And I'm sure college area might you might be able to get yield higher rents. I don't know. What what's like the what's the average you can buy a house and what's the average you can rent it? Like your your normal rental. Yeah, great question. So just like many markets, the the location does dictate, you know, what you can get for market rent and so forth. I would say the one percent rule was was a bit was a bit accurate maybe prior to 2022, maybe 2020, 2021. Last year, this year, we haven't really been seeing a lot of properties actually meet the one percent test. And I'm out looking to, to buy properties all the time. We, every Saturday we, we're going out, we're shopping, we're analyzing deals, we're trying to find new opportunities as well. But you can only imagine with inflation and a lot of people that bought properties in 2020 when interest rates were low in 2021, you know, a lot of people got into these, into these, into these investments and they realized that, hey, I don't want to be a landlord, you know, and now they're putting these properties back on the market. But of course, they're trying to get, get, they're trying to get all their money back. And so a lot of these properties are overly inflated because a lot of folks that entered in 2020, 2021 are trying to exit. So haven't really seen a lot of the 1% rule lately. It hasn't been as common as it used to be, but in Hyde Park, depending on you know the, the characteristics of the property. So I just listed a, a three-bedroom, one-bath over the weekend, and I got it at 1600 you know, the last couple that was there, they was paying fourteen hundred, and they just moved out two weeks ago, right? So it really does depend on you know the market and location. Yeah, just depends. Are you doing uh, turnkeys, or you you're modeling as well? You're buying like a little bit of both. Be- beautiful question. So this particular investment I'm talking about, we did have to do a rehab, but for the most part, I am buying turnkey. At at most, we're just doing lipstick. You know, updating cabinets, painting, tile. Uh, we're not doing any hard mechanicals with the PVC, electrical, anything like that. It's just in and out. The quicker we can get that bad boy to start cash flowing, the quicker that, you know, everybody else is happy, right? Myself, my bank account, and everybody else that's involved. So, uh, turkey. 100%. 100% turnkey. No, it's it's such a it's such an interesting model for sure. You see, uh, I, I saw on your bio here, you says you're you're also into taxes. Let's talk a little bit about taxes on how long you've been doing that because it seems like you're very very new to real estate. I'm very new to real estate to myself. I think I started 2017, so 2018. Uh, talk about a little bit of taxes tax side a little bit here. Yeah, great great question. So started in real estate in 2018. I've been in a tax space for uh, four years now. And I own my own tax advisory practice known as Magnolia Tax Services. We specialize in tax planning, tax preparation, tax representation, and bookkeeping for individuals and small businesses. About 90% of our clientele at this moment in time is all business owners that are in the real estate space. So developers, realtors, general contractors. We got a handful of folks that own their own trucking company and so forth. Uh, We don't turn anybody down is predominantly around where they are in gross in gross revenue in their business because that ultimately determines if they are at a, a space in their in their entrepreneur journey where they can ultimately afford us and two uh, we can help them. But yeah, so I started Magnolia Tax Services in 2022 last year. Okay. Yeah. So new new to that too as well. No, it's it's very cool, man. And this I, I think what you're very 
Um, your marketing side, I can tell you a little bit of a marketer too, because you want to make sure you talk to the right people, and everybody wants to make sure they're they're in it. They're they might want they might want to target the right people, but they don't understand who their target avatar is. So you as a, you as a rental landlord, look, yeah, I'm looking for students that are going to school that are either single or married or or I'm looking a couple, but not we're not doing rooms. You're not subletting. And then on the on the CPA side, yeah, we're looking for businesses that fit in this. What's the parameter as far as your your business criteria? Great question. So at a minimum, they have to have they have to be grossing at least six figures, so a hundred thousand dollars to four million dollars. Yep. So we're working with predominantly small to mid-sized businesses that, that fit that criteria. Yeah, and, and for, for businesses that small, I think they're it's one hundred percent needed. And then as you get bigger, you need some. You need a little bit something a little bit more. Not that you're not you know who your target audience is, and you might need to get in-house or in-house bookkeeping instead of using third party. Uh, when you get to a certain point, business requires certain things to be brought in-house when you hit a certain level. Yep. Very well said. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I'm I'm just I'm learning all this stuff to myself. It's, it's pretty crazy. But there's there's like different levels to business, and sometimes it's better to outsource and partner or hire that third party person to come in and actually do the things you can't and help where they need, where you need help because it's it's cheaper that way than hiring an actual person to fill that role. And then when you actually have the ability to afford it, then you you feel like you bring in a person to fill that role. Hundred percent. I was just having a, I did a presentation on Saturday for a local chamber here. And I tell the folks, I tell people all the time and I was telling them that as a business owner, you know, our number one responsibility is sales, right? Getting leads in the business, generating leads, and then ultimately closing those deals. And then the third part, the third part to that is making sure that you have a good product and a good delivery as well. So that you can retain those clients that you just brought in. But more importantly, as business owners, we have to, really focus on high income generating activities and everything that's low income, like trying to get your taxes filed and trying to do them yourself. You need to be outsourcing that, right? You need to bring an expert in, bring somebody in that has the competence, that has the experience, that has the know-how so that they can ultimately, you know, focus on those things for you. And you can focus on the, the high income generating activities, right? That's going to help you propel the business. So I just wanted to piggyback on that. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is where like, you have to, I think us as an early business owner, you have to wear like multiple hats. Boom, 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 boom. But you can hire third party or fractional services to fill certain needs. That way it's not all on you. Because yep. growing a business is hard and taking all the resp- responsibility on yourself is hard too. So you got to delegate and pass on responsibilities that are not your skill set. Yes, 100%. I was at a. So maybe about a month ago, I went to Grant Cardone's 10X Bootcamp. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of those people where it's like I prioritize personal development. I have no problem with investing in my education, investing in my network. And so when I go to these places, like, hey, I, I want to sit front row. And the reason why I sit front row is because I know there's other people that care about their business just as much as I do. And they pay enough to be there. Right. These are the folks that I want to connect with. These are the folks that I want to meet with. And. One thing that we talked about at, at the conference is the seven promotes. Always promote who you are. Always promote what you do. Always promote the impact that you're that, that you're having. Always promote why you do it. And then the fifth one was promote things that you don't want to do anymore. That's consuming too much of your time. You know, kind of going back to what we're talking about right now. You know, is outsourcing things that that ultimately doesn't make sense depending on where you are in your business. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Well said. Well said. 
tell us a little, a little about your multifamily. Are you you're kind of delving into multifamily now? Is this in Chicago or what's what's your multifamily experience going into now? Yeah, great, great question. So that's a big focus of mine, like huge focus. And I realized over the last few years that I've been playing small mm-hmm. with buying duplexes, three units, four unit buildings. I've been playing small. And so now what we're really looking at is large multifamily properties, 20 units, 30 unit buildings. Um, we're not looking in Chicago per se, primarily because sh- Chicago is, is expensive. You know, it's, it's the number one city in, in, in the world ranked twice. So Chicago is is pretty expensive. So we've pivoted and we've actually been looking at, at Hammond, Indiana. We've been looking at Kenosha, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, West Dallas, Wisconsin. We've been looking at Peoria. So some of the surrounding areas outside of Chicago that ultimately get us closer to that that 1% rule, if you will, but gives us enough net operating you know, income so that we can raise rents over time. We're also, you know, raising money from, you know, private money partners, folks that I have access to. And then some of the folks that um, are actively engaging in these type of deals with me are also um, having the same conversations with the same caliber type of people that we're looking to ultimately partner with to acquire some of these deals. So it's a very new venture for me. It's something that I'm very passionate about. I'm aggressively, we are aggressively looking you know, we're doing direct mails, we're doing, uh, we're cold calling, we're doing a lot of traveling, going to different real estate conferences to meet people so that we can generate those leads as well. But it's a new, it's a new space that we haven't necessarily, we've gotten close, we've gotten stuff on the contract. And then for some, for some reason, a lender will pull out or something just didn't, didn't go, go well. So we haven't haven't closed yet, but uh, something I'm, I'm I'm like aggressively trying to get done. Yeah, the the lend I think the lend, the lending space where we're heading to is going to be interesting. And uh, one thing I really want to hone in on too is that I think if you're starting in the multifamily, you're going to have to look out into the tertiary markets. And this is where a lot of people are like, oh, I want to own a, I want to get into multifamily, and I want to own a, a multifamily in in Chicago or Dallas. And like, well, you might pay a pretty penny you might not be there you might be at that point to get to that point right now so you have to it's always you always invest in the outskirts and the outskirts is where you're going to find a good cap rate a good roi um and you're going to be able to buy something you can afford and get those uh, reps in because you got to get reps in for sure uh, gotta get those reps in <laughs> <laughs> you know it's funny that you say that um it's it's, it's, it's it's funny that you say that because when you, when you think about real estate, the, the number one reason why real estate is so attractive to a lot of people is because of leverage, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it's one of those assets that you can buy with leverage. And the, the way that the, you know, the Fed is going, the way that some of these banks are going, you know, we get loans, it's, it's really required for us to nowadays put a lot more down than we used to have to in 2020, 2021, um, in prior years, and it's ultimately making you rethink, you know, how do you buy? Because, you know, part of the reason why we like real estate is leverage. So if you have to now start to put 40% down, you know, instead of 20, 25% on some of these, you know, properties, now you got to put 40% down just to make the numbers work. You start really double thinking that deal on if it does it actually make sense. Or does, the, does the market make sense right now? Or does that market make sense? Yeah. Um, and that could really... 
I, I'm always trying to like, I do a lot of creative stuff. So I'm always trying to pick up creative and not everybody's open to creative. And this is where like, um, I think multifamily and commercial, it's hard to do creative as a whole really uh, flexibly just because there's always recurring and revolving debt on it. It's really, really hard to do creative. So any creative you can do is very minimal, which can help, but it's still difficult as a whole just because the, the debt's always revolving. Yep. Well said. Yeah. So it's a it's an interesting dynamic, which is why I like land. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big land guy. We can talk about that later, but um, it's fun. So I I, I like um, I think it's gonna be. I've I do a lot of seller financing, so I'm always playing like the lender side of it. And the big reason why multifamily like scares me is because they're having so much. Uh, down payment, like you said, forty percent down. That part, that part scares me because it's one of those things where, like, the lender's covered. I mean, they're they're sixty sixty percent UPB, but the lender's always covered. But they're the 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 what you can always lose is the investor capital that's put in. So, um, what type of return are you looking for normally to like the capital required? NOI, like what, what, how does, how does that paper out? Because I know it's getting more difficult and it's as interest rates are slowly trickling up, it's getting to get more, even more difficult even after that. So like what, how are you combating like this um, interest rates and down payments and working with other lenders that may not require another uh, larger down payment? Like there's, there's ways around that and finding different requirements and networking i think that's a big point of networking too you can find a bank that's a little bit less risk averse that's requiring less of a down that might be a huge upside yeah well 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 said great great question so what what we've had to do in, in a couple times is take a few steps back <laughs> right <laughs> honestly because because you, you could be working something for a while and you, can, and you can get the itch of just like hey i just need to make something happen i just need to get a transaction i need to get something done but the number one mistake in my personal professional opinion that people make in the real estate industry is they overpay for property Ooh. You know, they, they overpay for property because they want to get in, whether it's for themselves, whether it's for their family, whether it's for social media, whether it's to be a part of the conversation. And they just want to get in, take that photo, post on social media. Hey, I just closed. And the numbers don't work. The, the, the numbers don't make sense. So for me, what we've had to do is actually take a step back and reassess how we purchase where we purchase and constantly asking ourselves, is it the right time, right? Is it the right time for us to actually get out here and make some things happen? So at first it was traditional. Okay. We're going to go through a lender and we're just going to meet the down payment requirement and just, just, just buy things old fashioned. But now it's more creative, right? Doing some form of seller financing contract with the land contract subject to you name it but we're entertaining other opportunities for us to purchase property so that we can still, you know, have good positive net cash flow rather than us, you know, buying a property off potential, which is something that you don't want to ever do is buy a property off potential. Yeah. The buying off the pro forma is what the agents will, or what the brokers will like, Hey, it's a, it's this, this, and this. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. 
<laughs> sure it is. <laughs> you know what? It's like, what's, what's interesting is, and me, me and my partner, we've been out looking at properties and I, I, I really like working with a, with a realtor that's investor friendly, you know, and they, they know how to crunch numbers. They know if the deal makes sense. And, you know, it's just you, you be out here looking at stuff and, you know, hey, you want to put an offer on this? Okay, what do you think the property's going to sell for? Probably 40, 50 over asking. Well, 40, 50 over asking, the numbers don't make sense anymore, right? It may make, it may make sense for you as an agent so that you can get paid and this, and this person get that household, but it doesn't make sense for my portfolio. It doesn't make sense for my bank account. It doesn't make sense for my legacy. Doesn't make sense for anything that I'm trying that I'm truly trying to build, and so we 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 just have to take a step back, man, and really figure out what 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 the not figure out but go back to what the initial game plan is. Because sometimes with and and I'm pretty sure you've gotten it before. Sometimes you get you get real estate fever. You know you get you get this fever where you just like you're like yo I want to do another rehab or man I want to do I want to buy another piece of land. But sometimes you just got to go back to the, go back to the basics. I think one thing I'll, I'll mention on this is exercising restraint because not every deal is a good deal for you. Mm. <laughs> you got you to you exercise restraint because a lot of people, they'll, they'll get in a buying frenzy. And I think that's the wrong way to be as an investor is you have to really look at like the, the outside of it. Like, hey, we're in this point of a cycle. It might not be best to buy every one out of 10 deals. You might have to buy one out of every 50 deals. And we need to look at more deals just to make sure we're buying the right deal as a whole. So you might have to like back out a little bit to make sure you're not you're not looking at you're not you're not potentially buying every opportunity out there because it might not fit. And this is where it comes down to where you have to have good follow up systems in place because it might not fit for anybody's buy box unless they're super rich and can afford a, a four cap. Like you know, like there's there's buyers out there for that too, and that's okay. They can have all the property at four caps that they want, but it's not for me. <laughs> Well said, brother. Well said. Well said. Everything, everything isn't for everybody. Everything isn't for everybody, and that's okay. And you have to understand that when you're looking to buy, that everything isn't for everybody. Yep. I think the other side, I come across this sometimes too, and I bless their hearts per se, where they're they're so they're so like magnifying glass focused that they don't ever do a deal because they can't find one that fits their parameters. Mm. there's like there's two sides of that coin where like one like yeah this is great and then the other one's like i need an amazing deal and i'm not i'm not gonna buy it well you might be hunting a lot harder so it's one of those things we have to find like that middle ground and it's it's up to your personal risk tolerance how much capital you have how much reserve pirate capital what type of returns you need to probably need to bring on that side like you have to weigh your options because like if you have cheap capital you might be a little bit, you might have, you can open up that restraint a little bit and like, hey, I got cheap capital. I can buy a lot more things over here. But if you if you have expensive capital, you got to like, okay, I got to tighten up a little bit. I might have to underwrite more deals and I might have to work a little harder just to even pull out a deal. And it's uh, it's a little bit more difficult. But I think it goes, it goes back to the point of where do you find your capital and what do you offer? Because times are changing and you know, raising the capital is what, gives you the ability to even operate in any market. Yeah. So great, great question. So for, for me, and, and, and this is, this is a kind of, kind of a, a sweet spot with the territory here 
on the tax side. So I am looking at, I'm, I'm doing tax, we're doing taxes all the time, mm -hmm. right? And on the tax advisory side, we're strongly encouraging our clients to get out here and buy a piece of real estate. You know, of course, you're going to get those handful of folks that are going to say, well, I'm nervous about getting into the space because I don't have any experience in the space or I don't know anybody that's already in the space and I don't have any time. Right. Try to try to get somebody to do something. One of the first things they come up with is say, I don't have enough time. Right. So if you know that that person doesn't have enough time, then that's an indicator for you. If you're already in, in that particular space of figuring out how you can get people to leverage your time, leverage your experience, leverage your value, right? Leverage your subject matter experts and the people that's on your team. And so in these conversations or in these meetings, I'm advocating heavily for my clients to invest in real estate. And for those that don't have enough time, don't have enough resources, I give them the opportunity to ultimately invest with me, oh. right? And invest, and invest with, with us. And most people, most people, right? Most most folks that do have a financial advisor or they, they have an accountant that, that they're working with, strategizing with and planning with, people trust the folks that are helping them, you know, manage their 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 funds. It's especially if they have the results and they're consistent and they have their own tax documents and stuff that they can actually show that they're actually in the business of of doing this themselves and people feel more comfortable. And so I give clients an opportunity to invest with me after me encouraging them to, to do it themselves. In terms of the return on investment, it depends that particular investment yeah. itself. And then also how much capital, because I'm one of those folks where, and some people don't do this, but I'm one of those folks too, where I tell clients all the time, I have skin in the game myself, right? I'm not just 100% raising funds or I actually have some skin in the game myself outside of just my time. I'm talking I'm talking actually monetary contribution, monetary commitment. So it does depend on that particular deal. If it's a if it's a buy and hold, is it a is it a rehab? We're going to do a cash out refi. Am I giving this person a equitable position in the property too? More are they just more of a of, of a private money um, lender, somebody that's just you know kind of handing us giving us funds to 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 operate? It just depends. So I don't know if you've done this before, but this is for everybody listening: is that capital, private capital, it comes in different forms, and they might have different motives. So if you can offer maybe tax incentive instead of cash flow or more cash flow instead of tax incentives. You can kind of give them different things that they may need in their personal life that can leverage them where they can put their capital into it and maybe get tax incentive because they're a high income earner. Or maybe they're, they they want more cash flow and they just want to give them more cash flow versus tax incentive. And you can kind of create a custom ROI that makes sense for that individual person. And it's less about like what ROI they're giving. They might get hundred thousand dollars less in their taxes because they might make 300k a year like they might want to do that they can put money into it and make less money <laughs> like <laughs> there you go depreciation depreciation so there's a lot of there's a lot of custom fits you can do for your private capital and it's asking the right questions to make sure you and your capital are aligned in the goal of why they're investing absolutely so 
quick little tip out there for everybody listening. What is a quote that is yours or somebody else's that you resonate with? Um, it's a great question. So it's a couple. The first one is Jim Rohn, uh, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. That was that was a, a quote that I, I I really just took hold of in 20, 2018. I mean, it's just really just telling you, hey, you can work harder on yourself than you do on your job because you can become more than the person that you are right now if you become more value. And a lot of people, they want to, lot, some folks, I'm going to say a lot of people, some people want to make more money and they want to do more things, but kind of going back into the issue of time. Hey, I don't have enough time. Yeah. Well, if you don't have enough time, then the only other thing that you can increase in is value, right? And if you don't like what's in your bank account right now, your bank account is nothing more, nothing less but a reflection of, you know, what you know and the people that you're connected with. And you get connected with certain people based on the type of value that you show up and you bring to, to that atmosphere and to that industry and, and into that particular group. So for me, the first one was, uh, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. Prioritize self-development, right? And then number two was Bob Proctor, thoughts become things. If you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. And as you really controlling what you say to yourself, how you show up for yourself, and ultimately believing that you can accomplish more and your thoughts actually have more power and control than you, 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 you think you know, so you got to be very cognizant of not entertaining any negative thoughts for too long because, you know, thoughts become things. If you can see it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. Those would be the two that, that I'd share. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, where can people find you online and uh, where can people uh, know a little bit more about you and your services? Yeah, great question. So you guys can find me online on all social media platforms at underscore underscore Mr. Marshall. And you can find our website for the tax firm at magnoliataxservices.com. There you go. Uh, I appreciate your time and uh, thanks for coming on the show. I, th I hope people learned a little bit more about rentals and a little bit more about uh, raising private capital. And if you're starting into multi-family, you know where to go. You got to go to the outskirts. Uh, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. Everybody have a great day. Thanks for coming on the show. Go like, subscribe, go share, show the friend. You know what to do. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hey guys, so the Hive Mind is launching a new program where we are, we're helping you work deals that are valued at $1 million and up. If your deal is worth 980,000, we don't wanna take a look at it. You can submit those deals to us at submitbigland.com and we'll help you comp the deals. If it's good, we'll help you close it and we'll also help you fund it and sell it. Check us out, submitbigland.com, milliondollarmastermind.com and wholesaling million dollar land deals on Facebook. Thanks guys.